The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, crime in Dublin has been in the public eye over the summer following a series of high-profile attacks. Despite the number of assaults recorded being lower than last year, why has our perception of fear changed so much? Well, joining me now is Brendan Kelly, Professor of Psychiatry at Trinity College in Dublin, consultant psychiatrist at Tallaght University Hospital. Brendan, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, there's no doubt there have been a number of high-profile attacks. Um, so the attacks are real. Uh, in terms of numbers, you know, you're wondering whether if some gouger comes up and hits you on the back of the head, do you bother reporting that kind of thing anymore? Um, so, you know, numbers, what is it? Lies, damn lies and statistics. So statistics are important in relation to crime and people having a sense of security or a sense of risk. But as you say, statistics are not always 100% reliable, but also neither do they shape our sense of security or our sense of fear nearly as much as you would imagine. So, you know, one might imagine that in an area or a time of relatively low crime, people would feel more secure, but that's simply not the case. Uh, statistics are only one part of it. Um, other factors like emotions and how we how we use information and how we behave and how we interact with each other seem to be far more important in generating a sense of security on the one hand or a sense of fear on the other. Um, The nature of the attacks, the severity of the attacks, uh, the consequences of the attacks also play into our fears, I suppose. You know, if a knife is used, if someone is uh, kicked to the point that they have life-changing injuries, all of that kind of thing, it raises the bar, if you like, of the potential consequences of what might be seen loosely as antisocial behaviour. Yes, it certainly does. But I mean, again, the features of the crime tend not to have as much of an impact as you would imagine. Other factors uh, seem to, you know, the the baseline anxiety seems to be the the key factor here. And we know that certain people, like older adults, people in ethnic minorities and women, have a higher sense of fear to begin with. So when you get news reports of these kinds of uh, episodes, they either you know, fall on into the mind of a person who was already attuned to risk or some other people simply dismiss them. So there are aspects of the incident itself and the degree to which it's reported that are important, but also baseline features. We all know people who worry more um, and that feeds into the overall sense of risk in relation to crime as well. Now, the question of a guard the presence, what does that do for our fears or our perceptions of danger? Well, it's uh, there's evidence both ways on this. We know that a sense of risk or danger it's communicated from other people. We you know we make each other anxious by talking about things and also by our media consumption. Pat, I mean people tend to say that the media talks about crime a lot and possibly disproportionately about certain kinds. But the fact is we seek out the media we want as well. So we co-create this risk. With regard to Gardaí on the street, there is evidence going both ways on this, that sometimes people feel less secure when there is a a Garda or a police presence rather, particularly an armed police presence. It seems to ratchet things up a level. On the other hand, the streets probably are that little bit safer with that presence, but it doesn't always feel that way. It can feel like 
the whole thing is escalating rather than being controlled. Why do we feel differently about that than we may feel when we go to other cities where there is a visible police presence, often an armed police force? You can take places like Barcelona, take places like Paris. If you're knocking around the Houses of Parliament in London, you may see uh, police with machine guns. You know, why would we not feel safer with that kind of visibility here compared to when we ourselves visit those other cities? Yeah, well, tradition has an enormous amount to do with it and also the making of a change. So, you know, if there were to be this step change here, this rather dramatic change whereby there were armed guards on the streets with, you know, very visible weapons, then that would send a very strong message that things have gotten dramatically worse in relation to crime compared to, say, six, six or 12 months ago. And that's not the case based on the statistics. And the other thing is we don't really know what people in other countries with a long tradition of armed police presence would actually make of a non-armed police presence. So tradition mm. shapes a great deal of that, particularly if there is to be a dramatic mm. change. Uh, what does social class have to do with levels of fear? Because, you know, one of the confusing things is is that people will label, say, someone in a tracksuit as being dangerous uh, if they're in a particular urban milieu where the same person wearing a tracksuit in a public park is not perceived in that way. Yes, yeah, so social class is is tremendously important uh, in terms of perceived risk of crime and perceived risk of victimhood. And there's pretty strong evidence that um, sort of labelling other people as being at higher risk of committing or being a victim makes um, some people feel safer. In other words, if you can kind of try and confine the idea of risk to a certain group. Uh, you mentioned people wearing tracksuits, for example, and that changes hugely according to the context. But it's this othering of crime by saying, look, if I fix in my head that people who are dressed in a certain way or behave in a certain way and live in a certain part of the city, and um, that those people are likely to be involved in crime over there, those other people, mm. then that makes me feel safer. And this is very problematic because it does create a strong them and us that is not supported yeah. by the statistics. And what about when people who recognise the perpetrators or the threatening figures from their own community, they're much less likely to be attacked, I suppose, because, they, you know, I know your father, I know your mother, I'll, <laughs> I'll make sure you get what for when you go home. Yeah, so this is a kind of living in a community where there's a sustained level of threat, which with such such crimes as people stealing a bicycle and then, you know, selling it back to you directly. Um, and this is a different kind of level of crime. And there is good evidence that that increases risk enormously. So like anyone who's been a victim of crime, their fear is more than doubled into the future. So living with that low level of endemic crime or risk of crime is tremendously damaging to communities and to people. It's basically living with a baseline level of you know, uh, cortisol that, 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 that is raised. So in other words, this constant fight or flight uh, being on edge, being all keyed up, even within your own community. And that is one of the problems with what's called the displacement of criminal activity, which is when certain areas of a city make themselves very, very safe and victimhood is displaced. And then certain areas have a much higher level of crime as a result of that. Brendan Kelly, Professor of Psychiatry at Trinity College in Dublin, consultant psychiatrist at Tallaght University Hospital. Uh, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.